This is Aaron Nordstrom. I sing for the band Gemini Syndrome. I just put on a rosary. I also co-host the Liquid Conversations with Sean Six. The reason I put on the rosary is because he put me on the spot and I had to say a prayer. Here we go. What's up, Aaron? What's up, dude? <laughs> I just took the rosary off of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, my great Catholic upbringing right there just it, it transmits through the airwaves over to you there in Las Vegas. So You can feel the power of God. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's uh, that, Let, me, let that, me ask, at this point, was that too much? Was that too over dramatic or whatever? No, that's awesome. Okay, sweet. So it's nice that you and I get a chance to talk and... And the reason I say that is that you and I just recently spent five days in a big square box of metal rolling down the highway for five tour stops of Gemini Syndrome's recent outing. And you and I, I guess, experienced life in a different way than you and I had together before. The way that you just put that was so politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it was so, it was so, um, like you were selling real estate. <laughs> You're like, Hey man. So, you know, we rolled down the street in this box and we played rock and roll shows. It was cool. It sounded like, it sounded like apropos pimping. And <laughs> that was my Pinterest I, review. So I'm sure we'll come back to this point later, but I have to bring up now, as far as the description goes, as my Kung Fu teacher who was on tour with us, my Fufu said to me, we are on the train to Auschwitz. Like no one ever in their right mind says, okay, so we're going to take 11 of you, okay? 11 people. We're going to put them in a vehicle-ish. It's not going to have air conditioning and you're going to leave in July. (laughs) And then, you know, your only salvation will be, you know, uh, ice cream treats from the local truck stop. And uh, maybe the fans might work for like 20 minutes and then that, you know, Die. You know, the the ironic thing about it, and we all talked about this as a, as a group with everybody else from Gemini Syndrome, with Brian AP, Meigs, and your new enlistee, Nick. Yes, sir. We all talked about this in Akron and multiple times throughout the tour while we were all together. But the reason I wanted you and I to talk about it again is because you and I have known each other for a long time. And what we had wanted to do about starting this podcast to begin with was to have some real conversations about what goes on, not only in the music world, but within life. And I think that those five days that we all spent together in the box of metal rolling down the highway uh, (laughs) was definitely uh, an experience that I think a lot of people don't, one, don't have any idea about. And two, it might potentially take the mystique out of rock and roll and touring and tour buses and the lifestyle right away from them because there was nothing easy or pretty about any of that at all. No doubt. One of the things that I love about you as a person is that you make me think about things in a way that I probably wouldn't have the other way, right? Okay. With your influence. So like you say that, we went through this this whole experience and we, we dealt with trials and tribulations or whatever. 
and it doesn't seem like the rock and roll dream. It doesn't. Like, we weren't... Well, we do have one strip club story, don't we? Oh, you weren't there. I wasn't there for that one. I missed that one. No, that that was Albuquerque. We'll come back to that. (laughs) But I wasn't involved, just saying. But, like, like you think about... You go through these experiences, and you you drive down the road. The, the, The crazy thing about this tour was that the best shows we had were the ones where everything broke. Yeah. Everything failed. And maybe it's because we sing or play music that's that's more generated towards like strife and struggling and that you try to like manifest that or something. Right. So you get to that moment where you've been in the, in the fucking hot box for forever yeah. and you just want everything to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And like, but we're still going to go on stage with love in our heart or something. It was very much so an exercise of futility sometimes because when you hear, and, and I don't mean to demean this reference by any means whatsoever because you know I support and f- and feel very honored to have met certain people that have served our country in different aspects whether it be municipalities or whether it be military or what have you and they go off to these events some are wars some are natural disasters uh, and some are you know man-made disasters that happen here you know fires or accidents or what have you And there's something that you always kind of hear from these people that are with each other during those events. They're bonded from there on out because of the chaos, because of the struggle. And I feel more bonded to you guys in the band and everybody else, the the crew, to your Kung Fu teacher, you know, to the manager and to, you know, your merch person. I feel more connected to everybody just because we went through all that. We literally sweated it out for five days without reprieve at all. And we went through some stuff that was slightly scary. We blew a tire on the trailer going down the highway doing 75 miles an hour and had no idea that it was even gone. Right. Uh, you know, a trailer truck had to beep at us and then we thought they were crazy and then a car went by and beeped at us and we thought they were crazy, but hey, maybe we should pull over it and get out and certain things like that happen. As we're standing on the side of the road, you know, we're looking at each other and we're all remembering something that happened recently with the band Adrenaline Mob. For sure. And, you know, stuff and, like, dude, you dude, know, that's Sean, scary. What's even crazier. So after you left up in Ohio, right, we finished the rest of the tour and we left Albuquerque to go to Mesa. Right. And that was our last show. So we ended up on the side of the freeway for eight and a half hours. And, and there was like points where I was watching the two lane highway and there was semis that were like head to head. Right. So you would feel the wind of that thing go by you. I, it's indescribable. Right. Like at any point, something can go wrong and somebody in here is going to die. And that's a real thing. It is. It is. It's and a real, It's a real possibility and it's really scary. But then in the moment, you have to be like, well... I mean, I'm here. Yeah. You just kind of have to accept it, I guess. Does that make sense? You it, know what I mean? Like, you, there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to post up like Superman and, you know, right. stop the trucks from taking out our RV or whatever. But you just have to know at that moment, anything could go wrong. And I guess just pray that you get it, the F out of there. It is 100%. It is a very sobering aspect that runs through your mind because you know that, okay, look, I'm, I'm potentially at risk standing on the side of the road. I know that this 
really happens. Things like this happen in reality. It's not just a dream. It can happen to you. And you're trying to deal with it and just get back on the road and get to your next stop. And like you said, get up on stage and put up this facade like everything is okay. You're there to party. You're there to have a great time. You're there to give the fans the most 100%, 110% show that they could possibly imagine and make new fans and sell albums and sell merch and live the whole idea, dream, image that everybody thinks about when they go to these shows. They struggle the whole week to work to save money to pay and go see you guys get up on stage and live that one moment for them, that short period of time to let them you know, express themselves and let out the anger and let out the frustration. And your frustration was just getting to the damn venue. And, and ironically enough, so taking that example, right, we went to Phoenix, we went to Mesa, we went to Club Red, and we played that show. We showed up two hours before set time. Right. We did a complete throw and go. I did press. I did interviews, still changed my clothes, and then still meeting up with friends and family that live in that town. Right. Right. And then we still went on stage. And I think because of whatever we had just gone through, we played one of the most dire shows we've played in a long time. Right. Probably because that energy was coming out in full force, you know. And you get done and finally, like, the body gets to let go it, for a second and say, okay, we're done. Right. But for for that 60 minutes up on stage, we threw everything out there. And, and it was... A, it was an epic show for me as a performer it was epic i felt better afterwards you know now one of the things that we had talked about in akron and, and multiple times throughout the the five stops that i was with you guys is that the struggles and stuff that the band and everybody crew um myself so on and so forth that we all experience within that period of time. Mechanical breakdowns, uh, no AC, uh, small vehicle to put 11 people into. Uh, it was hot out. It was, you know, it was just everything and anything. I, I referred to it <laughs> kind of jokingly as the tour of chaos. Uh, but the tour's name was the Absolution Tour. Do you think that this amount of struggles that you as an artist, is, as you as a performer, you as a person in general, that just went through, Gemini's coming back out, they're getting hit in the road again, they got a new album in the works. Do you think that it was almost needed for the band to go through that much of a struggle just to restart this process again that bands do all the time over and over again? Do you think it was really kind of needed to wipe the slate clean to have the new Gemini come back? It, in a sense, maybe. Okay. <laughs> because then the ego has to kick in and be like, no one should ever go through that. Right. We're too, we're too big to deal with that. I wouldn't even say that. Not that we're too big, but just no one should ever deal with that. It right. was terrible. It was. It was tough. How, however, however, the way you pose your question, I have to say, yeah, like it fueled that fire to go back and play shows. And I think it's easy to get comfortable or something. That's you a know? really we've fair never statement. Been a band that had like hotel rooms every night or whatever. We've we've grown up in the the more or less than the new industry. Right. Right. Money is not the same as it used to be, and we just kind of suffer through whatever we have to suffer through, and we do it, and it's awesome. Because at the end of the day, I still don't have to 
set my alarm for 6.30 in the morning, and that's great. <laughs> right. But I love that. But then I deal with a different set of circumstances that are totally different. And, like, how many times have you been on the side of Route 66, I-40, going west out of Albuquerque for eight and a half hours, wondering if one of these semi-trucks is going to crash into your vehicle and you're all going to die? Right. Probably not last week. So that becomes my skill set. That becomes my experience. So it goes. And, and I'm happy for it, man, because I got to go to those shows. We still got to play. It was weird because I wasn't with you guys for the whole tour, but it was kind of interesting, even that little sliver of time that I was with you guys. And saying that, I've known you guys for a long time, but as people, as friends, as artists, but experiencing that with you, I seen a change with you guys from when I met up with you guys in Illinois to where I got off in Ohio. And I noticed a change that you guys were really starting to settle into the sweet spot musically. Yep as artists on stage every night. Yes, we were yep. going through struggles. Yes, everybody was like, okay, enough of this shit. We can't take it anymore. <laughs> Why? I mean, I, I mean, just a side note, I got off that tour with you guys and I was down a pant size, just I know in sweat weight. <laughs> yep. You know, but you guys were really starting to settle into something that was pretty magical for me to see because knowing that you guys have had some time off, everybody in the band has had personal struggles. You guys have had lineup changes. You guys are kind of settling back into a, a regular lineup that seems to be gelling really well. And I remember seeing you guys with older versions of Gemini Syndrome with different people people in the band and remembering how much I enjoyed the music then and how much I enjoyed you guys' company and friendship, but now even seeing it more, not to demean any of the previous versions, but now there's really something special that's starting to happen in my mind. Does it feel like that for you too? It does. And to use like a, I don't know, an outside example, like as you try to, um, if you try to capture your own person, okay. your own character, right? You do that on a daily basis. I try to become a better person. Is my kung fu good? Uh, am I cleaning my house every day? Blah blah blah. So those things evolve. But then, as a band, you have to deal with you know at least four other people, etc. And everything goes through like you go through trials, you go through hardships, and it always seems to uh, coagulate at a deeper level. If that makes sense. Coagulate's definitely a good term because... So like, like where we are right now, we've had dudes play for us, play with us before, and they're they're fucking cool dudes. Right. I'm still friends with all of them as far as I'm concerned. But it didn't it didn't shape the band the way that it needed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to cycle out and just like personally, you have to decide like what behaviors are good for you or bad for you and... Sometimes that takes pain, you know, to go through. Uh, that is definitely a fair statement right there because you hear people say, well, friends come and go, okay? Family comes and goes. That's for sure. We all experience that. Every person that would listen to this podcast, listen to you and I talk about that would be, oh yeah, I, I can relate to that 100%. Um, but the band stuff, they don't necessarily understand unless they're in a band, unless they've experienced it firsthand and how that stuff happens. For sure. What it really becomes, what it becomes a reflection of is family. You know what I mean? Like everybody in the music industry calls each other bro right we do that you know but there's a certain aspect to that that becomes deeper after you've toured with people a bunch of times 
and you've been through these kind of trials and stuff, you really do become family. You rely even, on each even other. having you out with us, like you were running into people and they were like, what's up, dude? Like they knew who the fuck you were and yeah. you had your own relationship with them too. Right. right. And that becomes equally as important. And so it really is a giant family. Um, I think maybe on, on some level, like me being an adopted person, my my identification of family is not so black and white. It's not blood. Right. But especially my tour family. I love all you guys like as equally as brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? And I think most people who do this gravitate towards that, that mentality or something. Well, speaking on that fact, on you coming from an adopted situation growing up, do you feel that being involved with music and being involved with bands has been your almost you know, your replacement family for whatever missing feeling or missing experience that you had being an adopted child? In a sense, yes. I don't know if I would use the word replacement. Um, I don't know. Maybe not, though. Maybe I would. But for sure, for sure, it gave me this this capability to connect to people without having a prerequisite. Like the blood didn't need to be there, the genetic. I can just be your brother right. because I choose to be. That's it. Yeah, I would say that it'd probably be fair that that makes you more of an open person in general, a more open human. I mean, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> We're all jaded to a I certain ex- I, certain I respect. Say modest to some extent, but no, for sure, because I can become close with anyone without, again, the the prerequisite to to have that. You know, to have blood, to have some relationship that prior existed or whatever, doesn't matter to me. Right. And at the end of the day, I, I think we we all share. I'm going to get morbid. Like we all share two things: we're alive and we're going to die. Right. That's it. That's all we have. So in the meantime, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. How do we pass the time in between the two events? Well, I capture you and you go live in an RV. <laughs> <laughs> incessantly for five days. <laughs> we did. And now we're, and did, now we're brothers. It, you know, it is it is rather interesting because we keep going back to that. But it's funny because that seemed to be like, that was kind of like the epiphany for me, I think, in general. I had spent time out with bands before, but not to that extent of of struggle. Uh, I mean, that was just, yeah. just the events have happened. Being around everybody, you know, everybody having different personalities, and that, you know, that's things that people can maybe relate to, because in their own lives, okay, you know, you have your certain group of workmates that you have, and you have friends in your social groups and stuff like that. Not everybody sees eye to eye about everything, and sometimes people squabble, and sometimes people get upset and stuff like that. Yeah, you know what? I think for the most part, we all respected that we all had differing opinions, but there was never any issue with that. It, we all got along. We all did our job. We all got the, you know, the events that were supposed to be done during the day done. And after that, we got on to the next stop. And that really kind of opened my eyes and really kind of made me think this happens to every band and it happens to every musical group that's out there, whether their genre is country, whether their genre is European death metal. It, it doesn't matter what they're playing. You put that many creative people in one room together, it is a 
potential flashpoint toxic situation waiting to happen. <laughs> and if it doesn't happen, it is a sheer miracle at best. Right. At, at that moment, it could be um, uh, uh, like Hiroshima. Right? <laughs> yeah. You step on the wrong person's ego and then suddenly everything is blown to shit. And, but somehow everybody like, I guess, transcribed together. Like everybody came together and realized that like, okay, we're here for a common purpose. And yeah. I think what you ultimately find in that is that even despite, you know, different personality traits or whatever, everybody still comes together with this this idea of like, if I help you, you help me. It's very symbiotic. We're, we are going to get through this. Yeah. And then we do. And then you end up building up each other and their, your personality flaws or whatever. And nope. Everybody grows and then we're all just watching Barney. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, you love me, we're a fucked up family, great big bust and a butter side to you. We could have oh all goodness. we could have all been sitting around the giant campfire of burning RV <laughs> in the venue parking lot singing Kumbaya. Ironically enough, dude, <laughs> I haven't gotten the chance to tell you this, but I'm glad we're on air while well, I do. So by the time we actually got home, we got to Phoenix and then we got to Vegas and we dropped all of our nonsense off. And at this point, the RV has been left on the side of the road in New Mexico. <laughs> And the owner of said RV right. said to Brian on the phone, man, you guys should have just lit that thing on fire. <laughs> Call the insurance company, light that thing up. And we all laughed so hard. <laughs> says, Do you have any idea, bro? How many times? Well, I'm looking, I'm standing out here with a cigarette about 110 degrees. Yep. I'm looking to my left on the side of a freeway and I see a full gas can <laughs> with a gallon of gasoline. Yep. And I got plenty of cigarettes and other fl- Ooh, is that 20 stage towels from last night? <laughs> like that sucker up. One of those. Well, you know, I, like I said earlier, I, I think that the struggle on this one and the recent events of the band over the past year or so and coming out with the name of the tour, the Absolution Tour, the new album, I, I have been fortunate enough to hear a good percentage of the stuff that you guys had been working on back when I was sitting down with Brian there in Vegas. And now that, you know, you guys are working on lyrics and trying to finish this up, both you and Brian mentioned something when we were talking in Akron that upon further reflection of what you guys had had ready to go and when you expected to be able to release this at the end of 2018 or at the beginning of 2019, you guys are starting to maybe recreate some of the songs that you thought were a done deal and things are starting to change a little bit. Yeah, it's all Meeg's fault. It's all Meeg's fault. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had to impart his wisdom. you, Sean, as much as I love you, because I really do, uh, I don't really want to be on air talking shit about Meeg's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If that dude could just do me a favor and stop writing really cool shit, 
that's cooler than the last shit he wrote, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, poor guy. He's like, he's going to get blamed for everything. He's either going to get blamed because it was great and it just took too damn long to redo everything, or he's going to get blamed for not upholding his end of the bargain enough. No, no. His problem is that he keeps writing cool shit. <laughs> and no, more importantly, he's doing it while he's just being himself and being a really good guy and just like, hey man, I'm just really happy to be here. And I love him to death. I have to, uh, I have to steer a different direction real quick. Okay. I'm sure you will allow this. Sure. Because this is going to go to press. I want to make it very, very fucking clear that Meigs is one of the coolest dudes I have ever met. Meigs is one of the most honorable and steadfast friends I've ever had. And there's been some press out lately about him that really tweaked me in a very ugly way. And I figure this is the only uh, or most reasonable option for me to express my discontent. Let it fly. As I, as I shove my killing knife back into its sheath. Like, if you're going to talk shit about somebody in the media, especially in the music world, after having the conversation we just had, like suffering and like going through all this, like these trials and tribulations and bullshit, and you're going to blatantly misspeak about someone, I, I don't know, man, it just rubs me the wrong way. So let it be known. Meeks Rascon, when I do our acoustic shows, as you've seen, my left is Nick, AP, some albino guy, Brian Steele Medina, and the one and only magnificent, beautiful, stunning, charming, and gorgeous Meeks Rascon. I love that dude, and he's excellent. And he keeps writing fucking shit that I don't even know what to do if that makes sense. No, I get that. I mean, I got to know Meigs this time and I had met Meigs multiple times in the past with different groups that he had been with and I share every sentiment that you just said because he was exceptionally nice to me. We got along yeah. beautifully. He is very, very, very even keel mellow, which kind of freaks me out because sometimes I can get a little wound up and uptight, but he really kind of is this introspective kind of guy. He sits there and you know that he's thinking about these grand thoughts and he's just very chill about it. If anybody was running their mouth talking smack about the guy, clearly they'd never met him before. Oh, unfortunately they were and they do. I take it we don't want to uh, call anybody no, out. We'll talk about this later on the phone. But this is my... Um, <laughs> My, uh, so you were privy to me doing Kung Fu. This is my, uh, little poke at your floating rib <laughs> to see if you really want to fight about this. No, I was really, I was really upset, man. Like somebody said some fucking shit about him that straight up isn't true and was just slandered. And unfortunately, like even by not saying my name or my band's name, right. they included us in it. And the same day that these words were put onto social media was the same day the motherfucker gave me a hug. So I don't know, man. That's I rough. A lot of patience for that shit. Well. Hopefully that doesn't happen again because that is unfortunate. And you, you are 100% right that it is a very small little circle that we all kind of rotate in. So sometimes if oh, you... And that's the unfortunate part is like, I know everybody has issues. I have my own. Right. We all do. I know secrets about everybody in this industry just like they know secrets about me. But at the end of the day, aren't we all just standing on the fucking side of the freeway trying not to get run the fuck over? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, We're the like, chicken trying to cross the road. Can it fucking stop there, please, for the love of God? Like, why are you trying to trample somebody to make yourself do better? 
I don't get it, man. Yeah. I just don't get it. It is unfortunate that stuff like that happens. Uh, you know, we all try to remember that karma is a real thing. And sometimes our emotions get the better of us where we forget that. So, Well, on a lighter note, I, I have I have to... <laughs> I have to be the radio guy. I'm sorry. I have to be the radio guy. On a lighter note, we'll make we'll make the transition over to the funner topics. So we were talking about new music. We're talking about you guys looking at it and saying, okay, we're going in the direction. Meigs is writing this music. He's imparting his wisdom onto it. Oh, crap. Now we have to rethink things because why? Because it just makes sense. Where do you think you are now compared to the original kind of guesstimate on end of 18, early 2019, do you think that you're extending further out into 2019 now? No, I think we'll have the record done by the end of this year. Okay. I think, I think, I think. please don't fucking quote me on that, damn it, because I'm always bad with this shit. We'll but, say uh, your guesstimate is the end of 2018. So let's go back to talking about Meeg's always writing cooler shit, right? Okay. So a lot of what he wrote was just riffs. So I would have like full songs from the band, like start to work on those. And then I'd hear riffs, which isn't a whole song. Right. And that would, that would be the thing that inspired me like, oh, fuck man, no, we have to make that a song. So that being said, I think we're about halfway there. Okay. Now we just have to really like dial in what's going to be a tune, what's going to be an entire like finished product or whatever. But it, it, I don't know, it's forcing me to write in a different way because um, Meeks brings these riffs and these ideas to the table. They're just outside of my box. Simply put, it's just put outside of my normal like skill set or something. So I have to think about it in a different way, which is cool. I enjoy that. It forces me to come up with different ideas and, and write differently. You're growing. Yeah, so they say. Yeah. What I had heard before some of the tracks that, that Brian had played for me, I got the impression you guys were getting heavier. Would you say that that's fair? I think musically, yes. I think me was in particular brings that. And AP, just as a player, plays heavy. Right. But I think I'm, and see, I'm always hesitant to say any of this stuff, right? Like maybe I'll become more melodic. I'll become more singing on this record. Okay. But that being said, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it could change tomorrow. Screaming out the gate. I don't know. It could change tomorrow. You don't know. Right. That's the point. Until the motherfucker is put down on tape, then I don't really know. Yeah. This is like, send, this is your child. As a parent, this is your child. You're sending your child off into the world and wishing the best right. for your child, that your child is going to get the utmost out of life that they want and that you're going to be the happy, gleeful parent basking in the glory glory of their accomplishments. In his shit-stained underwear. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Why does this kid have snot on its nose? Why do they? Why can't they take care of that before they leave the house? You try to do good, you want to do good, and you just can't. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I, I think, uh, like the rest of my life, dude, I think this record is going to be some kind of culmination of my experience here, which is successfully what the last few records have been. And maybe that'll just be like for me you know maybe that'll just be my my own little um self-deprecating 
glory or something. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it'll mean something to somebody else. God willing. This is why you and I get along so well, because we can sit there and be like, yeah, we have such positive thoughts about it. We know it's going to be great because we, we, we believe in our own product and we believe in our own efforts. And then we'll kind of smack ourselves in the back of the head and say, yeah. just don't screw this up. Maybe maybe somebody will like a song on the record. Right. I don't know. <laughs> and if they don't, uh, sorry, I tried my best. Awesome. Aaron, I think this is a probably a good spot for us to say goodbye to everybody uh, until the next time that you and I can have our Jack Handy thoughts <laughs> and try to keep it somewhere in a straight line and not have it meander all over the road like someone who is falling asleep at the wheel. Well, since you still have the tape going, this is Aaron from Jack Handy. And you're listening to Handy Conver Liquidations. That doesn't even sense. Oh, my God. That's that's the best right there. That's the best. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Makes it. We'll talk again soon. Love you, brother. Love you, too. The Liquid Conversations podcast is brought to you by Dirtbag Clothing. Wear it till it stinks.